You're listening to the Hair Radio Broadcast Network. I'm Carrie Hines. Now, today we have a very special guest with us. Her name is Dr. Nazgul Ganush. Now, she is a research analyst at the Sentencing Project, where she conducts, uh, synthesizes research on criminal justice policies and crime. And, uh, Dr. Ganush, I want to welcome you to the Hair Radio Broadcast Network. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. Uh, now, I want to start by telling everybody that you wrote, uh, you created this wonderful report called Race and Punishment, uh, Racial Perceptions of Crime and Support for Punitive Policies. Uh, would you be able to tell us uh, a little bit about that and, and also let us know what the sentencing project is? Sure. I would love to. So the Sentencing Project is a national nonprofit organization that's been engaged in research and advocacy on criminal justice issues for over 25 years. Uh, Mark Maurer is our executive director, and so a lot of folks might know of his work and his name uh, from his, the work that he's done on these issues. And the work that I did here on this report um, called Race and Punishment, it's a play on the famous title Crime and Punishment, and the idea that we have that punishment is related to crime. And, and what we try to show in this report is that race actually plays a really big part in determining punishment. And what's important is uh, a lot of people have shown that race, of course, you know, uh, ra someone's race, you know, ha contributes a lot to whether or not they're arrested, what, what kind of sentence they get. We know about all of this, and I cover a lot of this research. Um, I provide an overview of this research in the report. But what, what's interesting that I show here is that people's racial associations of crime, specifically the fact that a lot of white Americans um, and I you know, cite a lot of research supporting this, the, lot, uh, the fact that a lot of white Americans associate crime with blacks and Latinos means that um, they're more punitive, they support more punitive policies, and this actually affects punishment for everybody. Um, it disproportionately leads to punishment for people of color, but it also makes it so that we have a really harsh criminal justice system for everybody that's processed in the system. Why do you think that's the case? So that's a good question. So there's there's two parts to it. So one part is why is it that whites have this strong association of crime with people of color? So there are some surveys, for example, that ask people, well, what proportion of specific crimes, you know, burglaries and uh, other kinds of violent crime uh, or other kinds of property crime do you associate with uh, African Americans, what percentage do you associate with Latinos? And and when the, when researchers do these surveys, they find that whites overestimate the actual crime rate for people of color um, when they compare their estimates to arrest rates. So it's about 20 or 30 percent more of um, violent crime that they attribute uh, that they think is committed by people of color than is actually committed by people of color. So. Um, so why does that happen? Well, first there's the fact that um, when you look especially at the most serious crimes, there is a disproportionate amount of crime that's committed by blacks and Latinos compared to the share of the population that they comprise. And this has to do with uh, 
inequalities and injustices that extend to beyond our criminal justice system. So when you look at urban poverty and all the difficulties of living in um, in, in those conditions, it's dispropor- disproportionately people of color that live in, in those settings. And it's those kinds of life conditions that lead to some of the most serious kinds of violent crime. But... But that does, but even even despite that, whites overestimate how much crime is committed by blacks and Latinos. Um, yes, mm-hmm. I was just going to say, uh, is it why? I I feel like um, I totally you know accept your research and and this is very very interesting. But do you think that some of that overestimation uh, has to do with the media? Uh, you know, and I'm sure that um, it's that you've quite covered this as well in your research. Um, but what, what, what role, if any, let me just ask it that way, has the media played uh, in, in, you know, in adding to this and exacerbating this issue? What role, if any, has the media played? A really crucial role. So, you know, what I mentioned was the most serious violent crimes. But then when you get to, for example, drug crimes, research shows that whites and people of color consume drugs at similar rates. We also know that uh, people generally buy drugs from people of the same race and ethnicity as them. And so that would mean that there, if we were, we were fairly uh, um, enforcing and prosecuting and sentencing drug crimes, you would not have the majority of people in prison serving time for drug offenses. You would, the majority of them should be white, but that's not the case right now. Their majority are people of color. And when people are asked, well, how much drug crime do you think is committed by people, people of color, they, they, they think it's a disproportionate amount that it actually is. And so a lot of that has to do with media representations, uh, not just for drug crimes, but especially for violent crimes and property crimes. And so when researchers look at, uh, for example, homicides that are reported in specific jurisdictions, like let's say in Cleveland, Ohio, one study looked at what, you know, when you look at the newspaper um, or other researchers have looked at TV coverage of crime or um, they found that a disproportionate amount of the crime that's reported is committed by people of color relative to the actual crime in that area. But in addition to that, it's not just the crime, the race, there's not just a disparity in the race of the suspect. There's also a big disparity in the race of the victim that's presented. So overwhelmingly, crimes that are reported on are crimes that are committed by people of color against whites even though these are a, a very minority and extreme unusual set of crimes. Most crime that happens, happens by people, uh, are committed by people of one race against others of the same race as them. But there's some, something gets skewed, something gets transformed as you go from actual crime rates to what's reported in the media, and this will gives people ex- an exaggerated sense of, uh, black criminality and Hispanic criminality, and an exaggerated sense of the likelihood of white victimization. Not to mention becoming desensitized and all of that. Uh, this is quite amazing. It really is. Well, first of all, if you just joined us, uh, I'm Carrie Hines, and with us today is Dr. Nazgul Gandush. Now, she is a research analyst at the Sentencing Project. Uh, where she's done an, an extraordinary amount of research. Now, the report that we're talking about today uh, is uh, the name of it is Race and Punishment, 
racial perceptions of crime uh, and support for punitive policies. Now, uh, as we mentioned, it's been covered extensively in the New York Times. Uh, and uh, now with Mr. Mark Mallory, you've also written Fewer Prisoners, Less Crime, A Tale of Three States, and Can We Wait 88 Years to End Mass Incarceration? And uh, now, you also edit the Sentencing Project's uh, Monthly Race and Justice Newsletter. So I want to kind of, uh, let's talk a little bit, uh, uh, Dr. Kanish, about how did you get involved with all of this? How did, uh, what, uh, what was it that triggered, uh, you know, this is something that, you know, that I must get involved with? That's a good question. So I, before coming to the Sentencing Project, I was um, a graduate student at UCLA in a Ph.D. program in sociology and in trying to determine what to do, what kind of research to engage in for my dissertation, I wanted to focus on a topic that affected low-income people of color living in urban areas. And so I was trying to think about, you know, what would be a relevant topic, and it became glaringly obvious to me that one of the major issues that this population faces is incarceration. And so what I did for my project there was that I wanted to highlight the work that people who were impacted by incarceration were doing to challenge these policies. Um, because I had the sense at the time, and I think this is still true, that if you you know read about these issues, you get a really good sense of all of the problems and all of the causes of the problems that we have in the criminal justice system. And and note there that I emphasize problems with the criminal justice system, not which are uh, above and beyond problems that we have with crime, because a lot of the problems do not stem from crime. A lot of the the, the excessive punishment that we have have to do with criminal justice policy, not with crime rates. And so I wanted to document how people that were affected by these policies were reacting to show that there isn't just this mass victimization, but people are actually, uh, you know, working to challenge these policies and reform them. And so uh, I I documented the work of a group there, and when I was done with that research, I wanted to continue to work on these issues, and so that's how I ended up at the Sentencing Project. And so this is the, you know, the first big solo-authored report that I've done um, since I've been here. Now, how has this report been received, in your opinion? Oh, you know, I, I, was, uh, I, I was nervous about the kind of reception that I would get, but it's actually been overwhelmingly positive. So um, Charles Blow wrote about it in his column in the New York Times, um, uh, David Cole wrote about it in The New Yorker, and these are you know, both really influential thinkers and um, gave their endorsement for the, ar- the arguments that I make in the report. And what the report really tries to do is to tie together these ve- you know, very uh, broad strands of research on criminal justice issues and on public opinion and on crime. And what, one of the major points that it's been able to make is that Racial perceptions of crime that are the focus of the report are a major reason why white Americans are more punitive than people of color, even though they experience less crime. So it's not the case that the people that are the strongest advocates for a harsh criminal justice system are the ones who are most likely to be affected by crime. They're not, because people who are most affected by crime, people who uh, are seeing some of the devastating consequences of drug addiction, 
uh, are the ones who are most likely to advocate prevention and treatment rather than punishment as a solution for these problems. And so it, this has received a really, you know, it's, it's really kind of confirmed what, what a lot of people have suspected and, you know, given them the, the tools that they need to, to make these arguments more strongly themselves. Absolutely. I think, uh, for me, uh, you know, just uh, looking at, you know, the perception the, where it just seems that what we watch television mm-hmm. and just to kind of, you know, a sidebar for, you know, all of your wonderful, wonderful uh, research and this wonderful topic, but along the same line, uh, when we look at television, it just doesn't seem that it's really representative of of what's really happening in the world. Um, you know, uh, you don't see, you know, you, you just see an overwhelmingly high number of, uh, of folks who are not of color, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on television um, and in the media. And we just, and it just boggles the mind. It just, uh, you know, we just can't seem to, uh, you know, move the needle, you know, forward um, in terms of the media views on race and television perception. Uh, It seems like we're stuck back, you know, 40 years ago where television is. And I think it has a whole, uh, you know, I think of all of the influencers, I think the media and the effects of the, you know, the, you know, television and so forth. I think that has had the most, you know, has done the greatest amount of damage, um, you know, and caused the necessity for your report. Yeah, I think you're very right. I mean, uh, you know, what I highlight in the report is how news coverage of crime is skewed and biased. I also mentioned briefly that. Uh, crime, uh, dr- drama, you know, dramatic series that cover crime issues really have contributed to um, making people very concerned about crime and believing that there's a really high crime rate and really focused on crime issues, even if even when we have periods of falling crime rates. But what you're su- suggesting also is that it's important to think about the underrepresentation of people of color in other areas of television that can counter these stereotypes. And I think that's a great point. Well, I'd, well first of all, let's t- thank you. And I'd like to tell everyone uh, how, to, how they can get their hands on this wonderful report of yours on the Race and, and Punishment Report. How, how can they find that report? They can find it by going to our website, www.sentencingproject.org. So it's available there. They can also just Google the title, Race and Punishment, and that should pull it up for them. Wonderful. And uh, and also, if they are looking to find out more about the Sentencing Project in general. Yeah, so they could find out through the website. Um, or And they're also, they're also interested in kind of keeping up with uh, the new work that we're doing. Uh, what, they can follow us on Twitter. So um, our Twitter handle is at sentencing P-R-O-J. That's, and then my own Twitter handle, if they'd like to follow me, is at N-A-Z-G-O-L-G. Now, I want to take a moment to talk and get your advice on this recent uh, spate of uh, kind of, you know, uh, what what appears to be police brutality, or at least it seems like an uptick uh, in our community. Uh, what is your take on, say, Ferguson? 
Um, yeah, so when I first, you know, when I started writing this report, I was very, I thought a lot about how a lot of what I'm focusing on here is the sort of broad impact of these racial perceptions of crime and that the broad impact is our, what we see going on in our criminal justice system, the, the expansive size of it, the fact that we have a higher incarceration rate than any of our peer countries by a magnitude of five or ten times. Uh, the fact that we have such a disproportionate number of people of color in prison, 58% blacks and Latinos, compared to um, them comprising 30% of the general population. So that's sort of the, the widespread consequence of um, racial perceptions of crime and other factors as well. But a more narrow and more tragic and more acute consequence is when we hear about these instances where, you know, we, we don't know yet exactly what's, ha what's happened with Michael Brown, but this very suspicious circumstances. And it echoes a lot of other cases like Renisha McBride's, like Trayvon Martin's, Oscar Grant, so many other people that we could name, um, where... Um, even going back to Rodney King or further, people are treated brutally. They're killed um, by police officers or even by just regular citizens uh, when they're unarmed, when they're when they're not posing a threat. And what's you know what's driving that? And that has you know I think that is echoes the same ideas of what's in the report. What's driving that is uh, a, a misconception of the level of risk that someone's facing because the person that's confronting them is African-American. So it skews their, assess their risk assessment of the situation and leads them to, you know, to, sh to, to shoot, to kill. And, you know, this is, like you said, the causes of this are, you know, to the extent that they're coming from the media, it's just so widespread. It's so instilled in our psyches, and it will take so much time and effort to, to address it and to root it out. But what I try to show in the report is that there's a lot of room for optimism because a lot of the people that are, you know, that are uh, making decisions based on these kinds of skewed perspectives are people that uh, are not overtly racist, right? They would say that, um, especially within our criminal justice system, the judges, the prosecutors, um, our, our lawmakers, they don't explicitly endorse racial inequality, right? We're not living in Jim Crow era. But what we're living in instead is in an era where most people support and endorse racial equality, but often because of, because of the way that their biases unconsciously influence their work, they, they end up producing biased outcomes. So they end up treating whites more fairly than, than blacks. They end up assuming that whites are probably, you know, if, it, if they're in the criminal justice system, probably they made a mistake that got them here. So let's, let's give them a second chance. But whereas if they, if they see a similarly situated black defendant, they're more likely to think, oh, this person, you know, probably going to keep committing crime, right? Let's keep them locked up. So, exactly. So the optimism here is that by being really explicit and talking about these issues and not just trusting that, well, I'm not a racist, so I'm sure everything is okay, but actually looking at, well, that's great that you want to not treat people unfairly, but let's actually look at the work that you're doing as a policymaker. Let's actually look at the work that you're doing um, as a criminal justice professional. And then, you know, even far beyond this, in whatever line of work that you're doing, 
um, actually looking at, well, do whites and blacks and Latinos and others that are coming to you, uh, are they actually getting treated fairly? And, and not just because of your individual discretion, but what about your organizational policy? Uh, are there rules in place that lead to people of color being discriminated against and having a worse shot? Um, uh, than whites who, who come into your organization. So these are the kinds of questions that we try to pose. And at the end of the report, we describe within the criminal justice system a number of interventions that have been used in different jurisdictions where people who realize, okay, well, we can't just trust that things are working out fairly because there's a lot of evidence that they're not, but let's look specifically at what we're doing and try to identify the causes of the problem so that we can you know, un unroot it. Okay. And what can we do, in your opinion, as just the regular, everyday folks out here who are combating these types of um, issues, you know, this big issue, uh, any advice for, uh, for those of us who are, you know, completely affected by, by this? Mm -hmm. I think that it's great to first do what you're doing right now, talk about it, get educated, help educate people that you know about these issues. And what this report tries to do is to provide everyone with the tools necessary to make these arguments and show that this isn't just a hunch. So one, one, um, one poll that I describe in the, in the report mentions that it asks people, do you think blacks and whites are treated e fairly in the criminal justice system? And the majority of African Americans say, no, we don't think African Americans get a fair shake. And only 25% of whites said that they don't think African-Americans are treated unfairly. So there's a real misconception here among whites um, where they think that the system is fair, and yet there's, it's definitive. The system is not treating people fairly. Uh, and so there needs to be a lot of education to realize, you know, this isn't about blame. This is just about assessing what problems are and trying to address them. So, so part of it is education. Um, and then another part of it is supporting policies that are trying to scale down the criminal justice system and, uh, and eliminate the, racial dis the unwarranted racial disparities in the justice system. So at the federal level, there's the Smarter Sentencing Act that's trying to reduce um, sentence lengths for federal prisoners. There are, if you look into, if you, you can visit our website and sign up and let us know what state you're in, we'll notify you of campaigns going on in your state um, where, you know, either, either to scale back uh, criminal justice sanctions or to reduce disparities, and you can help to become active on, on those things. And, and let's share with everyone that website again. Sure. It's www.sentencingproject.org. Okay. Well, listen, I want to thank you, uh, Dr. Kanish, for being with us. I mean, this is a, a wonderful report again. Let me just make sure everybody is aware. It's called Race and Punishment, Racial Perceptions of Crime and Support for Punitive Policies. We want to make sure that everybody is aware. And I really would encourage everyone, just regardless of, of your background, uh, this is something that uh, just a remarkable uh, understanding uh, of why we kind of are where we are here in America and what can be done about it. So, Dr. Ganesh, absolutely outstanding. Uh, any final thoughts? Um. Let's see. My final thought, I guess, is to keep 
keep in mind this this cause for optimism that we're in a situation where it seems like lack of information and lack of education is the problem rather than a lack of commitment to values that we all endorse. Well, on that note, I want to thank you again for being with us today on the Hair Radio Broadcast Network. I'm Carrie Hines. Dr. Nurse, thank you so much. Thank you for allowing us to take a, a quick look at this, and we'll have you back and, and really delve into some of the other wonderful aspects of your report. So thank you so much. Thank you. Pleasure with. to speak with you. Thank you very much. It's here. The Salon TV Network app by Hair Radio is available for free download in the Google App Store. Watch our own television programming or listen to the Hair Radio Morning Show live. And also, you can enjoy our archived broadcasts. Now, you can submit your hair question directly on our new Salon TV Network app to one of our experts or even to today's live guests. And we'll get back to you. Looking for a great hair growth system? Purchase Kerapy Shampoo, Kerapy Conditioner, and for the guys, Kerapy Beard Oil, all in our store. And take a moment to sign up for our free newsletter, or even follow us on social media. It's all right there on the new Salon TV Network app. It's available again at the Google Play Store. And if you're interested in being a guest on any of our shows or advertising on our app or platforms, call our office at 347-587-3213. Again, that's 347-587-3213. Thank you.